0: It's a a real joy to be here. So I want to just thank you um, for having this opportunity to speak uh, on the next part in this series of Micah 6.8. And I'm going to be talking today um, on the third part of loving mercy. So Andrew talked about... Um, the mercy of God and how God's mercy um, towards us, when we deserved punishment, his mercy towards us meant that we could have relationship with him. And so God's mercy towards us. Then David talks about um, how God's mercy meant that our mess is a comma and not a full stop. So Jesus joins us in our mess and walks us through it. Um, And so I'm talking today about how mercy changes what we do, changes the way that we live. And so I just want to start by looking at two verses. Um, i have the first one on the screen. Here we go. He has shown you, oh man, what is good. Oh, no, no, next one. Sorry. That's the one we're doing. Next one. Thank you. Okay, so if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And the next one, James 2, 16 Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? And he goes on to say, faith without works is dead. And so I want to talk to us this morning about the fact that mercy and loving mercy should change the way that we live and and the things that we do. But I have to say, when I was given um, this topic to talk about and thinking about you know, caring for the poor, caring for the marginalized, giving our lives on behalf of the, those who, who, have, who, who need it, my heart sank a little bit because I just thought, goodness me, I feel like I'm at capacity already. You know, I'm a mom with three kids, four and under. Everything's a little bit crazy. Um, there's so much that I have to do and be. And, and, and how, can I, how can I do any more? I need to be, you know, and it just became this little kind of weight. And I, and I really felt the Lord speak to me in that. Um, and I felt like this, this was a good um, a good image. Okay, so we feel like this is our capacity. Okay, this is our capacity in life, and we think, right? Yes, I need to be a good, a good Christian mum. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give that there to my kids, and then oh, and then I need to be a good wife. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give that, yep, yep, to my, to my husband, and then oh, oh, I need to be, um, I need to be uh, maybe career. I need to be working towards a good career, and uh, oh, I'm getting low, and I need to be just helping the old church ministry. No, no, and, and we're kind of empty, empty, and we feel like, goodness, I haven't got any more, Lord. I'm kind of I'm done. And the thing is, what I want to start with this morning is that this is not about another tick list of what God is calling you to be, to be a good Christian. What I felt God say to me is, it starts from a completely different place, I believe that we have to fall in love with the one who is mercy. And from that place, mercy flows naturally into our lives. You see, what um, the prophet, well, let's start with Micah. Micah is talking to Israel, um, the Israelites, and and they're doing the right stuff. But their hearts have moved away from God. Isaiah says a very similar thing in Isaiah 58. He, says, uh, he talks to them and he says, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But he says, you seek me out. You, they seem eager to know my ways. Um, and then a bit further he says, but their hearts are far from me. And I really believe this morning that the Lord is calling us back to our first love. That it starts from being in the presence of God and remembering whose we are and who we are. And from that place, it's like we dunk ourselves in the bucket of his mercy. And we say, Lord, I've got nothing. I am nothing. I've got, I'm tired. I'm done. I can't do it. And then he says, Come and rest in me and be filled up again for everything I'm calling you to do. And then you will have more than enough to overflowing for the people that I'm calling you to serve and to love. So I want us just to have a look at this verse, which I believe is for us today. In Revelation. Um, talking to the church in Ephesus. Um, This is John talking to the church in Ephesus. Well, it's God. And he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know you can't tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You've persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this one thing against you. You've forsaken your first love. And church, I really believe this morning that God wants to say this to us. I really believe that he wants to say that we've persevered. and We've endured some really tough stuff over the last couple of years. And and maybe in your lives, maybe it's been going on for a while. But I believe he's saying, I just hold this one thing against you. That you've forsaken your first love and I'm calling you back. I'm calling you back into my presence. Because you see, when we come into his presence... When we fall in love with mercy, we begin to love like mercy. And there's this scripture in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and it says, And we, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When we look at him, we begin to become like him. Okay? And so, I don't know if you've ever heard of this theory that when, um, of people with their pets. I don't know, I, I, I looked for some images of these, so can I have that slide up? And, but people with their pets, so, oh, that's the next one, not that one. <laughs> there it is, there it is. People with their pets, so people who love their animals so much that they begin to look like their pet. Okay? Um, and there's this other theory about elderly couples as well. So elderly couples who've spent so much time together, I don't know if this is true or not, so you have to check it yourselves, but they've spent so much time together looking at each other's faces that their facial—they they imitate one another's facial expressions and the muscles in their faces change so that they begin to look like each other. So there's this thing about what we look at, what we spend time, the people we spend time with, we begin to become like, and that's what I'm talking about today. So the image that we had up just a couple of seconds ago with the, the cat looking in the mirror, you see, this is, this is it. We look into the face of God, and with unveiled faces, we can look at him because of his mercy. And then we begin to become like him, and the fruit of mercy can flow out into our lives. Um, and just as another little example of this, I so was just thinking about when um, David and I first met, and, uh, well, we first started going out. So we met at Soul Survivor really long time ago now. And, um, and then it was just before, just on my gap year, it was just before I was about to go to Cambridge for university, and he was in a, a theatre company in Manchester. And, um, and I, um, uh, I would spend my weekends... Kind of once a fortnight trekking, and it's a really not nice journey trekking from Cambridge to Manchester because it's cross country on the train. This is people on the train, and um, and I would use my student loan to to spend an absolute fortune on train tickets just so that I could go and be with David. And I wouldn't even really get to be with him because he was performing in his theatre company. So I'd get to go and watch him in his shows, which were generally at the weekend. And then he would trek all the way down to me on an actor's salary to come and see me whilst I was in my lectures during the week. So it was just this, this crazy thing. But do you know what? When you're in love with someone, you don't really think about the cost of it. You just want to be with them. And you just want to do what they're doing. And this is the first call to you today. Is I want you to fall in love again with the one who's called you. I want you to see his mercy so that you can live that out in your lives. And it won't drain you. It won't drain you if you're walking in step with his spirit. Okay. Okay. So I just want to have a quick look at what is mercy. And at this point, I just want to recommend this book. It's gone. It's gone. Um, This book, which is Timothy Keller, Ministries of Mercy. This is an absolutely brilliant book. And it's at the back in in the bookshop, if anyone wants it. But this talks about how we learn to care like Jesus. So I've been reading this book avidly. And in there... Timothy Keller talks about what mercy is. And he talks about the fact that mercy is meeting the felt needs of people. Now, let's, let me show you a, a little bit further. So, he gives this diagram. So, can we have the diagram of all the circles? Okay. So, he says that every human being has these, these four needs. Theological, psychological, social, and physical okay so theological at the core of every human is the need to be in relationship with God human beings were made to worship and be in relationship with God psychological that's about ourselves that's about um knowing who we are what our purpose is in life um the next one social that's with each other so being in in harmony with each other in unity and working together and finally the physical is about our relationship with the world and then because of the fall we had the, the core of us that fear that that connection with God disintegrated okay and so all the others fell out of place as well so I want you to think of it like the solar system okay, um, got a picture of that as well, solar system, here we go, all the planets are made to orbit the sun, okay, because they all orbit around the same center, there is a harmony to it. If they all orbited, or all had their own orbits, it would be disastrous, and they would crash and collide with one another. What happened because of the fall when sin came in, we all began to Orbit around ourselves, our own needs, our own wants, our own desires. We lost our connection with God. And from that place, all human need has come. Social breakdown, family breakdown, relationship breakdown, addictions. All these things come because of our disconnect with the Father. And those, the two outer circles, So if we, when we looked at that, just, could you just keep up on the screen, is that right? Thank you. Wonderful. The two outer circles, the, um, the social and the physical, they are the felt needs of people. Okay, so when people are hungry, okay, when they're cold, when they, when they are that they're disconnected from family, there's something going on within their family, then they're feeling it. And if you come to them and say, uh, oh, let me tell you, let me tell you all about Jesus, and they're hungry and cold, it's going to be very hard for them to hear you. But those outer needs, if we meet those outer needs of people, it's like a door to the core needs. If somebody is really afraid because they haven't got enough money to make the week, and you're trying to say, oh, come along to church with me, and I'll tell you, But actually, what they're living under is that fear. And and you haven't met that need first. They're going to find it very hard to, to, to hear when you're trying to talk to them about Jesus. Okay, so it's about meeting the felt needs first as a door to the core needs. Okay, so what's our role? I want to talk to you now about the kingdom. Because the kingdom is the power that brings wholeness to all of those circles. And we, we are priests of that kingdom. Peter says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. You... Trinity Cheltenham are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are called to live counterculturally in our families, in our business, in our relationships, the way we do life. We are called to live in a different way. And the way that, that, that we live ushers in the kingdom. Okay, so um, yeah, I'm just sorry, I keep losing my, my place. So I I just I just want us to get back to that place of remembering who we are and whose we are. That we are people of the kingdom, and when the supernatural power of the risen king comes into our lives and through our lives then it brings mercy and life into those around us. Unbelievers are not moved to Christ by seeing Christians meet the theological and psychological needs of others. But when they meet the felt needs, their hearts are softened to Christ. So what is the call? And I come back to the fact the call is to love the one who is mercy so that you can live a life of mercy. And what does that look like? Throughout the whole of Scripture, we see God's heart for the poor, the marginalized, the the orphans, the widows, the people on the edges of society. We see his heart. Job which is the earliest book written, okay? It was actually written even before Genesis. And in there, he talks about um, when he's claiming his righteousness before God, he says, I help the orphan and the widow. He knows God's heart. And he's saying, look, look at me. I, I help those who are on the edge, And then God, to to Moses, in his laws, he he talks about the year of jubilee. There being this year when when everybody who is a slave is freed, when debts are cancelled. It's written into the heart of God. And the way that he wants us to do life is to live lives of mercy. Then we get to the New Testament and we get to Jesus What an example of mercy. The one who would stop on his way to somewhere and he would have a heart of mercy that meant wherever he was going, if he heard a need, he would stop for the one. And he would, he would be with those who were on the edges. He was, he was really criticized for being with the, the, the ones with messy lives, the prostitutes, the sinners, the ones on the edge. He was criticized and condemned, but he went there because he was in love with mercy and he was being mercy. And then when we look at Paul and how he talks about the structure of the church and within the structure of the church, he assigns, deacons the role of caring for the orphan and the widow and you know what sometimes in church we can we can emphasize so much the teaching and the evangelism and those things are really important but if we don't meet the felt needs of people it's going to be very hard for them to come into those core needs and find wholeness and healing. So what do we what do we need to do and I want to talk about um, leaving gleanings in our life. Okay, so in the, um, in the scripture, um, when the, the, the commandments to Moses, he talks about the fact at harvest time, leave gleanings for the poor. So leave the bits that are left behind for the poor to come behind and gather up the, the things that are left over. And what I want to talk about to us today is, and to myself is about leaving gleanings in our life. So I want to think about it maybe with our time. You know, C.S. Lewis, um, he, he has this quote about, um, in Screwtape Letters, where he says, if you can't make them sin, make them busy. And do you know what? We, we are such a busy culture. You know, we are back to back with appointments and people to see and things to do. We are so busy. We don't have time. We don't have time. And I just feel like the Lord is saying this thing about leave gleanings in your life with your time. Maybe half an hour here or there in your week where you just say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this time? Is there somebody that you want me to see? Is there something you want me to invest into? Lord, I want to leave gleanings in my time. Maybe in your finances, you know, we um David and I we, we try and do this whole budgeting thing and it's you know, budget this and that and the other and make sure that we're on top of everything and we're very careful about everything. But do you know what? I think we're called to leave gleanings in our finances. And it's not just about the tithe, it's not just about that, because do you know what mercy is a sacrificial thing. And maybe he's calling us to leave gleanings in our finances where there's just this sum of money that is Jesus, it's yours, and whatever you want me to do with it, I'll do it. Because I'm leaving gleanings in my finances. Maybe it's leaving gleanings in, in our relationships, in the way that we love other people. That we don't just hang out with the people that, that build us up and that we enjoy being with, because it's just so much easier. And it is so much easier. And when we're busy anyway, do you know what? It's just nice to be with those people that we like and are easy. But maybe the gleanings in our lives is actually the messy people, the people on the edges, the people that actually when we're with them, it's just a little bit difficult. And we're not quite sure how to talk to them. And and they're just so needy, Jesus. And he says, yes, and I am mercy. And I pour my mercy out into you so that you can live that for them and be that for them. But within this, I just want to caution you and I want to say to you, because I know there are people here and your heart is passionate about mercy and you are passionate about meeting the needs of people and you see needs and they are on your heart and it burdens you. And I want to talk about the fact that Jesus only ever did what he saw the Father doing. He only ever did what he saw the Father doing. So the first thing is what I talked to at the very beginning, is coming into his presence and saying, Jesus, what do you call me to? Where are you in my life? Where are you calling me to walk? And then walk to that place. And there's this, this, um, this term that, that, um, that I heard once, which is called authorized compassion. Jesus moved in authorized compassion. He did what he saw the Father doing. And I believe that we are called to authorize compassion. So you are not called to meet every single need that you see around you in your life and to feel guilty about every need that you're not meeting. The enemy would love that because it paralyzes you. No, you are to be in tune with the Spirit and you're to move where his voice leads you. And when he says, this is the way, walk in it, then you walk you know, I love the number of times in the Gospels where Jesus is on his way to somewhere and someone calls to him. So blind Bartimaeus, Jesus is on his way to somewhere and, and blind Bartimaeus is there and he's saying, Lord, have mercy on me. And Jesus keeps going and the disciples say, shush, 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 don't, don't disturb him, he's busy. And he says, Lord, he says, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops and comes to him. And says, what is it you want me to do? And he was on his way to somewhere. Do you know what? The good Samaritan was on his way to somewhere. And he stopped. And he came. And he met the needs of the person in front of him. It's sacrificial. It takes sacrifice. But we do it instead with the Spirit. Because when we do it in step with the Spirit, we do it from his heart and his overflow, and not our own. Do you know the other thing I just want to talk about? Is I just think sometimes, and I totally fall into this trap, okay? Sometimes we can get so tied up with keeping up appearances. And sometimes because of that, we actually, it's very hard for us to leave gleanings in our lives. What I mean by that for me is that I find it very hard to have people come to my house if my house is an absolute state, which it is quite often because I have three very small children and not much time. I find it very hard to just invite people to come. And be with me, with my family. But you know what? I believe that God is calling us to do things like that. To invite people into our mess. To be a part of other people's mess. Because one of the biggest things that threatens our culture is loneliness. One of the biggest things that threatens this church is disconnection. And what we need to be is connected. What we need to be is family to say, come, come to my house. Do you know what? I, I haven't actually done my shopping this week, but I have got beans on toast. And that's okay. Because the thing is that I want you to be with me. And I want to be with you. Because we are people who love like mercy. And we live out of that overflow. And so, you know, I've been trying to walk this a little bit. And, and the other week, we, um, we had a really frantic day at church. Sundays are often pretty frantic. Kids are really tired by the end of the service. Everything is about to blow. And so we have to get out to the car quickly, da, 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 all that kind of stuff. And, um, and I just felt the prompting of the Spirit at one point. And I felt him say, there's somebody I want you to have for lunch today. And I thought, no, because my house is not hoovered. My bathrooms are not clean there is nothing that I have to provide for a lunch and everything started to panic and I started to shut it down and make up excuses for all the reasons why I could not have anybody to my house today and then there was this and um, there was there were some people at church and I, and very very obviously I knew that it was them that I needed to invite to my house and so I did and you know what it was so good it was so good because there was connection and there was family and there was love. And there wasn't me trying to be, you know, some, a, a great housewife and a great mother and a great cook and a great hostess, you know, all those things. And, and that isn't wrong, by the way. I do like good food in a tidy house. Okay, that, that's not wrong. But I'm just saying, if it stops us from hearing the voice of the Lord in the moment, then it's not a good thing. And I want to encourage us, let's not be those who try and keep up appearances. Let's be those who say, hey, do you know what, you're my family. I want to be connected to you. I want you to come. And do you know what, it's not always about us coming and meeting the needs of of the people when we see a need. It's, It's not always about that. It's about asking, asking. Like the story of, of, the blind, of the blind man who Jesus said, what is it you want me to do? I mean, it was so obvious the man was blind, and yet Jesus said, what is it that you want me to do? And sometimes it's just giving the time to ask the question. When we see somebody who is obviously needing something or is hurting or in pain, it's not just barging in with what we think is the, the good answer. You know, Dave and I—we lived in Malawi for a little bit. We um, we worked out there doing a kind of training of trainers project uh, for HIV and AIDS. And and whilst we were out there, we remember—I remember hearing this story about um, this mission organisation who kind of flew in to a village and decided that they needed toilets, so built toilets for the village. Then they flew out again and came back a year later. They hadn't used the toilets. They'd not even touched them. They said, "Why haven't you used these toilets?" They're amazing. They said, we never wanted toilets. We never wanted toilets. What we wanted, we wanted to know the word of God and we wanted to have school books for our kids and school shoes. We didn't want toilets. We didn't need them. Sometimes we fly in with answers. And we need to just wait and listen. Because the Spirit will lead us and we, we are called to walk in step with the spirit, as his royal priesthood, as his holy nation, as his people belonging to him. He is our king, and we are people of his kingdom. And so he will lead us, but we need to listen. So we need to have the time to listen. We need to have the space. We need to leave the gleanings but most importantly, we need to fall in love with the one who is mercy so that we can live out mercy. So I'm just going to... Um, I just think it'd be good for us to be quiet for a minute and just see what the, what the Lord wants to do. So I'm just going to ask you, ask, ask you to be quiet, just to bow your head, and we're just going to wait And I'm just going to invite him to come. And then we'll see where he wants to go. Holy Spirit, we love you. King of kings, we need you. And we just invite you, Lord, to come now. Would you come and rest upon us? Would you show us again the beauty of your face? And as Mike and Ophelia both talked about, the love of the Father, the intimacy that he longs for with us. God, would you draw us in to you? Come, Holy Spirit.